Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Think ID. My name is Pablo Lapatina. And I'm Williams Monier. And today we're going to start a new segment of our podcast called Antibiotics on the Go. The purpose of these segments are to provide our listeners with a quick antibiotic resource, whether you're still in the classroom or for those of you that are out on rotations. But before we get started on our discussion, we wanted to make a disclosure that omissions of any information is done so purposely for either simplification or because it's outside the scope of this podcast. Now that we got that out of the way, let's get right into it. Today we are going to introduce you to the world of beta-lactam antibiotics. This is a very large class of antibiotics and they all share a key characteristic, the beta-lactam ring. What's so special about this beta-lactam ring? Well, this ring is an integral part of these antibiotics because it gives them their antibacterial activity. The beta-lactam antibiotics are further separated into four main categories. However, it's important to note that you may see them separated differently in other clinical resources. The first one is penicillins, then cephalosporins, carbapenems, and lastly, monobactam. There are a few key things that all beta-lactam antibiotics have in common. If there are other things that are different, we'll mention them as we go along. However, for the most part, this is what they all share. The first one is a hypersensitivity reaction. How severe can these reactions be? It can range from a rash to acute interstitial nephritis to even anaphylaxis. If you are allergic to penicillins, you may have cross-sensitivity to other beta-lactam antibiotics. However, the percentage of cross-sensitivity varies among the different classes of, of beta-lactams. The second one is a potential for causing seizures. The third is that they all share the same mechanism of action. And what mechanism of action is that? Well, by inhibiting the penicillin binding protein called transpeptidase, an enzyme that performs a cross-linking of the peptidoglycan cell wall, it actually allows the bacteria antibiotic to inhibit the cell wall formation. Mm. And lastly, they all lack activity against atypical bacteria. Because as we mentioned in our last episode, these bacteria lack a peptidoglycan cell wall, and hence these antibiotics wouldn't be effective against these types of bacteria. And actually, we have one more for you. Um, nearly all of these beta-lactam antibiotics don't have coverage against MRSA. Wait, wasn't there one beta-lactam that does cover MRSA? Yeah, well, I did see say nearly all, so <laughs> the exception is ceftaroline. That's right, it was that one. So, now that we've given a brief introduction to the beta-lactams, the rest of this episode will focus on the first category of beta-lactams, which are the penicillins. The penicillin category is then further subdivided into natural penicillins, anti-staphylococci penicillins, amino penicillins, and anti-pseudomonal penicillins. Is there anything that all these penicillins have in common? There is. They have quite a few things in common. The first being that they all have a short half-life, and therefore mm. they have to be dosed multiple times a day. Oh, how unfortunate. Hypersensitivity reactions mentioned earlier, if they are severe enough, like IgG-mediated hypersensitivities, you want to avoid the penicillin class and possibly some earlier generations of cephalosporins, which you'll hear about in future episodes. If it's not as severe of a reaction, it may be okay to use a cephalosporin or a carbapenem in these patients that have that penicillin allergy. Okay, makes sense. However, they also have relatively poor oral absorption, which as a result can cause GI discomfort such as diarrhea when they're given orally. Poor oral absorption. So does that mean that the PO dose is much higher than the IV dose? You're right. That mm. Because of that poor oral absorption, we're going to need higher doses of the oral formulations. 
As far as for renal adjustment, which is something we are all always concerned about, there are two penicillins which whose doses aren't affected by a change in renal function, and those are nafcillin and oxacillin, both of which belong to the category of anti-staphylococci penicillins. Well, we'll talk about anti-staph in a sec, but first let's start off with the first subdivision of penicillins, which is the natural penicillins, which includes penicillin G, which comes in IV, and penicillin V, which comes in PO. We'll be taking a page from our infectious disease professor, Dr. Murley Worley, for the spectrum of these antibiotics. And keep in mind that the spectrum varies depending on the location due to local resistant patterns. And remember, we're in South Florida, so the coverages that we'll be discussing are basically the ones that we see here. Yeah. In terms of gram-positive, it covers all strep. In terms of gram-negative, it covers Neisseria meningitidis. For anaerobic coverage, it covers Clostridium, Propioni bacterium, oral anaerobes, and pastorella. Lastly, it has a miscellaneous coverage of Treponemum pallidum, also known as syphilis. These agents are the drug of choice for four of the following bacteria. Non-strep pneumo as part of the gram-positive coverage, non-C. difficile and Propioni bacterium as part of the anaerobic coverage, and syphilis as part of the atypical coverage. Wow, that's really limited coverage for these agents. Yeah, it's kind of basically useless at everything else. What about staph? Yeah, it actually doesn't cover staph, and that's why we have our next agents. That's right, because at one point, the natural penicillins did cover staphylococcus. However, resistance developed fairly quickly, which led to a loss in staphylococcus coverage by these agents. For this reason, we had to come up with new agents that today are known as the anti-staphylococcus penicillins. They include nafcillin, oxacillin, dicloxacillin, methicillin, and cloxacillin. There is an easy way to remember these because they have an acronym called DON, which leaves out methicillin due to the fact that it's no longer manufactured, and cloxacillin, which is now not available in the US. As far as their spectrum of activity, they only cover gram positives, including all staphylococci species except MRSA and streptococcus. What do you mean by all staphylococci species? So staphylococci species are divided into either coagulase positive or coagulase negative. The coagulase positive species is staph aureus, which can be either MSSA or MRSA, and that means whether it's susceptible or resistant to methicillin. And then coagulase negative species are staphylococcus saprophyticus or staphylococci epidermidis. Lastly, their adverse effects are similar to other beta-lactams. However, they may possibly have a higher incidence of acute interstitial nephritis. In addition, they may also cause phlebitis. So for those patients that already have phlebitis, a first-generation cephalosporin may be a good alternative. Gotcha. So let's move on to the next subdivision, which is the amino penicillins, which include amoxicillin and ampicillin. For its gram-positive coverage, it covers all strep, including strep pneumo, enterococcus species, and listeria. For its gram-negative coverage, it covers Haemophilus influenza, Neisseria meningitidis, E. coli, and Proteus mirabilis. For its anaerobic coverage, it covers oral anaerobes, Propioni bacteria, and Pasteurella multocida. It has no atypical coverage, as mentioned before. The aminopelicinins are drug of choice for a couple organisms, including strep, that's not strep pneumo, enterococcus species, Listeria, one given with ampicillin or gentamicin, Haemophilus influenza that's beta-lactamase negative, and Pastorella multocida. For its adverse effects, it's similar to other beta-lactams, however, it has higher incidence of diarrhea when given orally. 
Alright, so the final subdivision of penicillins are the anti-pseudomonals. These include piperacillin and ticarcillin. So for their spectrum of activity, the anti-pseudomonals have the same gram-positive coverage as the amino penicillins with the exception of listeria. So, they cover all streptococcus, including strep pneumo, and enterococcus. For the gram-negative coverage, the anti-pseudomonals cover Haemophilus influenzae and Neisseria meningitidis like the amino penicillins, and it adds Enterobacteraceae coverage, Spasum, and Pseudomonas aeruginosa. For the anaerobic coverage, similar to amino penicillins, it covers oral anaerobes and Propionobacterium, but it does not cover Pasteurella, which amino penicillins covered. Lastly, for the atypical or the miscellaneous category, these agents do not work with these organisms. And as monotherapies, they are not drug of choice for any of these organisms. So they're called the anti-pseudomonal penicillins because they cover pseudomonas. pseudomonas. Gotcha. Exactly. Last but not least, their adverse effects are the same as all the other beta-lactams. What a relief. Yep. <laughs> okay, finally, we want to touch upon certain antibiotics that come in combination with what is called a beta-lactamase inhibitor. Mm. A beta-lactamase is an enzyme that cleaves the beta-lactam ring, making it inactive. And a beta-lactamase inhibitor prevents the breakdown of the ring, restoring the activity of these antibiotics that was previously lost because of these enzymes. So, as far as penicillins, the antibiotics that come in combinations with a beta-lactamase inhibitor are ampicillin with sulbactam, which the brand name is Unison, amoxicillin with clavulonic acid, known as Augmentin, and lastly, piperacillin with tazobactam, known as Zosin. The beta-lactamase inhibitors don't have antibacterial activity themselves. They simply restore coverage of the original agents but was, that was lost to resistance. So let's get into their coverage. The, the good news is that they're somewhat similar. So let's start first with the amino penicillin plus beta-lactamase inhibitor combination. Those were Unison and Augmentin. So for these, the gram-positive coverage, it added only Staphylococcus aureus, MSSA. For the gram-negative coverage, it added Haemophilus influenzae, Moraxella cateralis, Acinetobacter, but only Sulbactam covers this organism, so it would have to be Unison in particular. Some, some more Enterobacteraceae, because remember, it included E. coli and Proteus. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So this just added a little bit more coverage of that. And then as far as anaerobic coverage, it adds Bacterioides, Pervitella, Fusobacterium, and Echinella. Remember that the monotherapy of the amino penicillins had certain drugs of choice, but now this combination adds drug of choice for Haemophilus influenzae and Moraxella cateralis, as well as Echinella. Fun fact, Echinella species is actually associated with animal bites, and hence, Augmentin is the drug of choice for Echinella species. So now for the anti-pseudomonal plus beta-lactamase inhibitor, which is Sozin. This one added the same gram-positive coverage of Staphylococcus aureus, MSSA, as well as Listeria. Remember that anti-pseudomonals without the beta-lactamase inhibitor did not cover Listeria. Which is why this combination allows it to cover this organism. Mm -hmm. For the gram-negative coverage, it only adds Moraxella cateralis. And lastly, for the anaerobic coverage, it added three of the ones that the amino penicillins covered, that is Bacterioides, Pervitella, and Fusobacterium. So not Echinella, which is the one common that, for exactly. the animal bites. Yes. 
We'll stop here since we've covered a lot. And on the next episodes, we'll be continuing with the cephalosporins, which are so diverse, they mm. deserve their own episode. Yes. And finally, we'll finish off the beta-lactam antibiotics with carbapenems and monobactam. So remember that on these segments of antibiotics to go, these serve more as like a refresher when you, you know, want to hear about certain antibiotics really quick on your way to school or be right before an exam. Um, and for that reason, we won't be having any infectious news. It won't be like a full-on episode. We just wanted these to be quick, to the point, and something you guys can turn to at any time. And that's why it's called Antibiotics To Go, not because you're <laughs> in a drive-thru getting antibiotics nope. to go, because we're not promoting that. Resistance but, at all. Yeah, but yeah, that's why. So that's it for this week's episode of Think ID. Until next time, bug, bug you, you next week. week.